All right, well, good morning. Hey, we're going to do some family business before we jump into more family business, because every Sunday morning at RCC, honestly, is family business, because we are the family of God. And so this is one of those Sundays that just happens periodically, um, where we send somebody, uh, I always tease them, we're kicking you out, but that's not really going to happen. Um, dragging, uh, screaming, dragging and screaming, how does that, that phrase go? Kicking and screaming. Well, dragging, yeah, too. Um, so Krista and Eric, who did announce this this morning, who have been here at the church for quite a few years. Eric, how long have you been here at RCC? About 10 years. Yes, you guys have been together here at RCC for 10 years. Eric, you are here before that. Okay, just a few years before. Then they got married here, and then, uh, and now we have the opportunity as a church, a difficult opportunity, but still an opportunity to send them away with blessing. They're moving to Texas um, because Krista's parents are getting younger just like the rest of us, and they just need a little extra help and care. And Krista says, I am the woman for the job, and Eric says, I'm the man for the job. And so they're going to go down and, and just live close to their parents and care for them. That's what we want them to do. Um, as we disciple one another um, as a church, uh, we welcome people and we also send people. We never want people just to disappear. I really want you to hear that. We never want you to disappear. I understand that God is God, and he moves us and, and puts us in the places where we need to be for those moments that we need to be in. Um, we want you to make RCC that moment forever, forever and ever and ever. We understand that God doesn't always work that way. He moves us around. Um, I grew up in another church three or four miles from here. Now, I just happened to be here since 93. Yeah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> I am getting old. So, but since there's just times where God places us for longer, sometimes it's shorter. So we're going to pray for them. We don't want them just to disappear and not show up like, hey, where did the moonches go? We are sending them as missionaries from RCC to Gainesville, Texas. Texas needs Jesus. Okay. Sure, come on up. Here's the thing about the South. My mom is from the South. I love the South. Here's the thing about the South. Here, I'll be on your level because there you go. Um, we call it the Bible. Yeah, stop it already. <laughs> we call it the Bible Belt, but here's the thing. Jesus is part of the culture in the South. Okay, so I want you guys to hear this. And so a lot of people go to church on Sunday mornings in the South, a lot. There's a lot of churches in the South. A lot of people in the South, though, don't walk with Jesus. It's, it's become a cultural thing, like I go to church because this is what I do on, on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, I'm going to live it up. And I don't live for him. I don't even think about him except for on Sunday mornings. And so we're sending them as missionaries. We're praying that, that will they'll help change the culture. Now, walking with Jesus is every single day. It's not just once a week. It's not whenever I want to, but it's, it's a surrendering to him. And so, do you guys want to say anything? You don't have a microphone, so I guess you don't get to. Okay. No, okay. Yeah, yeah, no. 
All right, can we pray for them? And so extend your hands, and I'm just going to give us an opportunity, a few seconds here, that you would pray for them. Whether it's out loud a little bit, or I love it when we whisper our prayers, when we say our prayers, and we pray together out loud. Um, Can we send them that way? Lord, I thank you that you are God, God here, and you're God in Gainesville, Texas, Lord. Lord, that you'd move in their hearts, Lord, that you would draw them even closer uh, to yourself, that you'd open up paths for them, to, new paths to walk in. In leadership, help them to disciple people. God, help them to love and care for uh, the new community that you've placed them in. Help them to be light there. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. 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 And right after the service, we have a cake. Uh, John bought a cake. Uh, and so, or somebody bought a cake. His name is John Bison. And um, so there's a little cake in the back. Well, they're going to cut it up. And uh, I think everybody gets a, a sliver of it. Okay. All right. Love you guys. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, hey, this is Christmas Sunday uh, for us as a church, and so Pastor Marcy has put together a little something-something with the RCC kids, so she's coming on up. Good morning. Go ahead. This is Nathan and Betiel, and I just want to say, we have a group of kids right now that are not super outgoing, they don't want to jump on stage and sing or act or do a play or basically anything up front of anybody, right? Yeah. But these two, I said, hey, we're going to do this um, Christmas script, and they were like, yeah, yeah, pick me, pick me, right? (laughs) But I do want to say I am so proud of both of them for stepping out of their comfort zones coming up on stage and doing what they've been asked to do to serve and tell you guys about Jesus. So, <laughs> Nathan might have some regrets, he just told me. So basically, they're going to read a script telling the story of the birth of Jesus, and about a month ago, we used Sunday School to take some pictures that kind of go along with the script. So it's kind of funny, um, but I just want to ask you to Put yourself in a position of never having heard about Jesus. Imagine that you're coming in here and you don't know who Jesus is. And watch these kids and their heart and their smiles and their funny faces and just let that um, just fill you with a little bit of joy this morning. All right, you guys ready? Okay. We can find the Christmas story in the Bible. Today's reading comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. It is presented by our friends from the kids here at RCC. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. That means all people should be counted so they could pay taxes. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Quirinius, that's a fun name. <laughs> Now back to verse 3. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was 
a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Remember, David was an awesome king back in the Testament. He killed a giant, won a lot of battles, and wrote a bunch of psalms. He loved God a lot. Back to verse 5. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. That doesn't sound like a very fun Christmas road trip. <laughs> Back to verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Messiah means deliverer. God's people were hoping for someone to rescue them from the Romans. But God was sending Jesus, the Messiah, to save the whole world from sin. Now back to verse 12. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now that sounds like a Christmas choir I'd like to hear. Back to verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Wow, what a surprising way for the Messiah to be born. It was all part of God's plan. Good job, you guys. Thank you. You can go back. Thank you. Good job. Take a bow. <laughs> bow. Okay, go sit down. Good job. <laughs> Um, as you can imagine, the trying to get pictures in order of three to 12-year-olds was pretty hilarious. So it actually turned out pretty well. <laughs> um, thank you again, guys, for reading. You did awesome. Um, and I just want to say, if, if, for, if you're imagining yourself hearing this for the first time, just the simplicity and the, just the joy, um, I just ask you to just carry that this week as we're nearing the home stretch and um, things may get a little stressful. Hopefully you're not like me and haven't done much, but um, yeah, just, just remember these kids and the joy and the peace and the hope 
that they feel and they have when they hear about Jesus. All right, kids, we are all going to the modular to eat some cookies and play some games. So those of you that want to be honorary kids today, I suppose you're, uh, yeah, you're leaving right now. That was precious and perfect, wasn't it? So good. So good. Nothing like seeing the joy of uh, Christmas on the, on the faces of kids. Hmm. It was all part of God's plan. This whole thing, all this is part of God's plan. And um, this morning I was just, I was thinking through how we start our services. That's the best way. I would love, well, I've talked to Pastor Marcy. I've started our services with our kids program every week. That'd be great. Um, but normally I start off the service doing something, whatever. And uh, I've been talking a lot about our favorite things about Christmas the last several weeks. Last week I was, um, according to Derek, I was very hungry to start off the service. Um, and I want to just take a moment, it's going to probably be a little bit for those of you that are right in here, but I want to take a moment to acknowledge the, all those who watch from home um, on a weekly basis, faithfully watch from home. And if I leave anybody out, I apologize, and I know I take a risk of doing that right from the start. But yes, we have people who watch faithfully every week, um, some in our own hometown, but many across our globe. Um, and so I just want to say hi to uh, Maxine who loves this church, um, and she posts it every week. I love my church. And so good morning, Maxine. Um, Derek, you're here. I was going to say good morning to Derek and Marie and Blakely right there, but they're right there, so good morning. Um, Gene from Tops, watching from home. Uh, Lotsey in Tenasket, Washington, um, uh, watching from home. And her daughter, Samantha, who's lives across the street from Mitch and Ashley. So cool. Gary, who always tells us what tea he's drinking. Um, I don't know if you guys go back and watch the Facebook. I, I don't usually. I usually just look at the comments because I want to like. Yes, that's me. I want to like and love people's comments. And Gary's just clever, and he's always just saying something fun. Um, Tia, uh, Brandon's friend, is watching live right now from England. Uh, watches every week. And uh, so good morning, Tia, to you. And then good morning to my mother-in-law, I have to say this, uh, Sally, who's watching from Alaska, who will actually be here tomorrow, which would be fun. So safe travels for you, Sally. The Isaac family from Alaska, who has donated one of their children to the church. Um, so we've officially, we're officially right now adopting Jacob. Jacob right here, we met back in 2015. So a while back on a mission trip, and now they tune in and watch. Um, our own Toby and Janeri watch from home periodically. I believe they're watching this morning, so good morning to you guys. Uh, my sister watches from Rome. Say gotcha. Rome, Texas. Okay. All right. Gotcha. So yeah, my sister watches every week from Rome, Texas, so I love you, sis, and um, yeah, Merry Christmas to you. My mom is watching from home this morning. And um, my cousin Bernita from uh, Washington, up just up north here, watches. Oh, and Terry's watching from home this morning. So Fiona says hi. She says she will clean her room for Christmas. Oh, you didn't say that? Okay. Anyways. 
it's a unique time that we live in that we even take two or three minutes to say hi to people online, but our world is different now. And I want to just say we need to embrace that and not fight against it. Like, I want it to be the way it used to be. Sure. I want gas to be 50 cents a gallon. I want to go to the movies for 25 cents. I want to buy the candy bar, the biggest candy bar at 7-Eleven for 25 cents. I remember when I was able, I, mean, I know someone called me old earlier, Richard I think it was, um, called me old. Yeah, that's true, because I could go to 7-Eleven and buy a, can, a big candy bar for 25 cents. I didn't have 25 cents. So if I had pennies, and back then, the very bottom row at 7-Eleven, you guys remember, the very bottom row, Dan probably doesn't remember this, he's too young. You remember? Okay. It was penny candy. I mean, a lot of it. And you could go, and they'd give you this little tiny brown paper bag that fit perfect around your bike handle, so you could ride your bike with the brown paper bag hanging down, full of penny candy. You know, you go there with 10 cents, that was 10 pieces of candy. And I was a total hoarder, and so I could make that last. I could really make it last. And my sister is laughing at me right now, but it was true. We live in a different world now, and so we need to ask God, God, what do you want from us right now? I mean, the tendency for the church right now is, okay, COVID is kind of over. We have new variants of stuff happening, and we always will. We always will. And so a lot of tendencies right now are, okay, now we can go back to doing what we were doing. And I just want to say, that doesn't work. The children of Israel, when they got out, they were delivered and rescued. And they were out in the desert. And when things got tough, what did they want to do? Can we just go back? And not go back to a good place. They were in slavery Maybe God has set us free from that. And now we're in a new place, and we are free. And so what we have to pray as a church, and I'm really sincere about this, is, God, what do you want us to do now? We really, as a church, in fact, not, no service next week. Um, I want to be serving pancakes or whatever we're serving um, at our house, full of people that have spent the night at our house. Um, but the following week, we're going to have our Sunday morning. And yeah, we're going to have our time of worship. But it's the first Sunday of the year. Many of you won't be here because it's right after New Year's. I hope that you're all here. And we're going to pray as a church. We're going to pray. And part of that is, God, what do you want us to do in our community now? Not God, what do you want us to do back then God, what worked before, because what worked before doesn't always work now. Because people are different now. And so what do we need to do to make those changes? How, to, how do we recalibrate to the now? And so we pray that for us in our churches, but we also pray for that for those who are at home who have started going to their local churches, which is great. And we also pray that for Gainesville, Texas. God, what do you want to do now? Peace on earth and goodwill towards men was the, the message that the angels came with. That message has not changed. 
God's desire for us is still to have peace on earth. He still finds favor in us. It's hard to believe when you look at the news, when you watch, and you see all the things that are going on, but his message is still the same. He wants us to know him. He still is Emmanuel to us. He is still God with us. Not back then, but he's God with us now. For many of us in this room, I would say Christmas is a great time of year. We look forward to it. It's, it's, it's kind of what we, almost what we kind of build our world around. Like, I cannot wait for November 26th or 25th, November 25th. The day, yeah, November 25th, the day after Thanksgiving, right? This year at least. Because then it's a month of, oh, I, I get to celebrate and remember what God has done for me. But again, we as believers celebrate him every single day. We should celebrate him being Emmanuel every single day. And I want to acknowledge this morning, just in the time that we have, is that Christmas for even some of us in this room is a very difficult time of year. Maybe Christmas for some of your coworkers for some of your friends, for some of your neighbors, is a really difficult time of year. And so how do we minister? How do we love people and remind them that there's a God who loves them, who came to them? The songs we sang this morning, fantastic list, that he did come to save us. If you don't get anything out about this morning is Jesus came to save us. He saw the need, and he, he met our need. So I just have a bunch of verses this morning I want to read to you. These are promises to us. For those of us that believe in Jesus, that follow him, that have said yes to him, we've, we've surrendered, we've, we've turned around, we've repented from our past life, right? And we follow him. These are promises for us that we can hang on to today. But if you have not decided to follow Jesus yet, you're watching from home, you're in the house, and you have not said yes to Jesus, these are promises that can be yours. That can be yours. These are great reminders from his precious word. I don't know if we look at the Bible. You know, I have like, I'm trying to count in my head right now, but I have at least 10 Bibles. And I was reading an article this week, actually from Gil and Glory Gravel, that Missionaries were up in these mountains over in an unknown place. They didn't even mention it. And the missionary gave this guy a Bible. And the guy started to cry and said, this is the greatest gift I've ever received. I've been praying for this for 20 years. I've had Christians come through. I've had missionaries come through. No one's ever given me the Bible. Do we look at the Bible as precious? We really should. It's God's letter to us. In fact, I feel bad because I don't even have my Bible up here this morning. I just have all my verses written down. But these are promises. These are great and precious promises from his word this morning. So sit back and just soak them in. You are loved with an everlasting love, the Lord says. I have drawn you to me with unfailing kindness. If you're taking notes, that's Jeremiah 31.3. 
I'm going to read it again. And I want you just to receive these this morning. You are loved with an everlasting love, the Lord says. I have drawn you to me with unfailing kindness. Jeremiah 31.3. And I just read that and I was like, you know what? I do need a Bible this morning. Can you grab me a Bible? Oh, thank you, Bill. Okay. Anybody else going to need a Bible this morning? You will need a Bible. Thank you. The Lord your God is with you. He delights in you. In his love, he will calm all your fears. He rejoices over you with joy. Man, this is a book that we never even look at. Zephaniah. If I said, hey, turn to the book of Zephaniah, we'd all be like, ah, yay. Please, pastor, give us the page number, right? Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He delights in you. In his love, he will calm all your fears. He rejoices over you with joy. That word can also mean singing. I heard some of you say that. The Lord God of the universe who created, who spoke into existence, rejoices over you. He like sings over you. As a, as a dad, when my son was, I'm going to talk about my son a little bit today because he's not here. It won't cost me any money. He's, he loves music, but he's not into singing music or playing music. But he used to love when we, I would sing to him before he'd go to sleep, right? There's something special about that when you are being sung over. And that's what Zephaniah says right here, is that God rejoices over us. Not only does he rejoice over us, but he sings over us. He brings that calming to us when we're afraid. Bible says that he is with you. He will never leave you or turn his back on you in Hebrews 13, 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you are a new creation in Christ. The old things are gone and the new has come. And I just want to say for those of us that struggle with Christmas and maybe struggle with the things that have happened to us in the past or things that we've even done to cause those memories of Christmas to be a struggle, in Christ, you're a new creation. All those things are gone now. They don't have power over you anymore. Hear me. They don't have power over you. Jesus, through him and what he has done for us, he has wiped away those things in the past. And he gives you a fresh, clean start. Dana Buck's and mine favorite verse is... His mercies are new every morning. Do we believe that? Or do we just like, oh, I believe that for them. I believe that for Dana and Grace. Oh, the moon is sure. I believe it for them too. Sefervich is sure. But do I believe that for me? Do I believe that God's mercy is for me every single morning? Every single moment of the day, every single moment, do I believe that his mercy is for me? That it starts fresh. That when I make a mistake or when I mess up or when I mess up and when I make a mistake, that his mercy is right there for me when I ask. Jesus said, I have come to give you life. 
Jesus said, I've come to give you not just life, but an abundant life, an overflowing life in John 10. Super important that we know who our God is. I've got a few more for you. Matthew 1 says, Jesus came to save us from sin. The promise given to, to Joseph, hey, your circumstances are really strange. Let's be honest. I, we watched the nativity, what's it called? The nativity story from back in the early 2000s. And it's just a cool perspective of what did Joseph and Mary go through in their hometown? We think of it like, oh, it must have been glorious. It was not glorious. It was gossip. It was, it was, um, they were outcasts. She was for sure. And then when he chose to stay with her, even his own family was like, you're making a big mistake here. And the fact they had to get on a donkey and ride it miles, four days, five days to get to where they were going. As the kids said this morning, that is not the Christmas journey you really want to go on. Ladies, you can attest to that in your final days of pregnancy. But Jesus came to save us. That was the promise given to Joseph. Save us from our own sin, but also save us from the sin that happens to us, from others. Jesus came to save us. If you walk out these doors here and then turn around, you're going to see Hebrews 13.8. In fact, if you walk into a four-square church, in order for them to be a four-square church, they have to have that verse displayed, honestly. That's Hebrews 13.8, because it's so key for us. Because we read in the scriptures about Jesus, and sometimes we make that mentality that like, wow, that was really powerful. That was really powerful. And what we should say is, that is really powerful. Because Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus doesn't change. The same Jesus I read in this Bible has not changed. He is the same. He was the same then. He is the same right now. And he will be the same tomorrow. And we can look and see, even in our most difficult times, and see God's faithfulness in those times. Yes, they were hard. Man, they're hard. But you see God's faithfulness in it. And for me, that means he will be faithful to me tomorrow, even in my hard stuff. Even in my difficult things, he will be, he'll be faithful. He does not change. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, and to recover sight to the blind and release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was not just this random thing that happened. That was from the very beginning of time. God said, Jesus will walk into this place, this synagogue, and it just happens to be on that day, that scripture is supposed to be read, and on that day, who read that scripture? Jesus. It was a prophecy in Isaiah that was written about him. So good. Isaiah says that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. 
He is not God was with us. And I know we kind of giggle at that, but there's sometimes that we, even as followers of Jesus, we sometimes believe that, yeah, God, you, you were with me, but where are you now? God is with us. He is Emmanuel. He does not change. Isaiah chapter 9 just reminds us that Jesus is in charge. If you watch the headlines, if you watch the news, if you just go to the grocery store, just whatever, and you just look like, man, I, it's just so chaos. There's so much chaos right now. Just want to remind you, Isaiah says that Jesus is in charge. He is still our wonderful counselor. He is still the mighty God. He still is the everlasting Father, and he is today, right now, he is the Prince of Peace. And my encouragement to you for Christmas is, do you know him? And even if I'm just speaking to one, even if I'm just speaking to one of you this morning, the best gift you could receive this year would be life from Jesus. And it's not a life that barely survives. It's an abundant life. And so do you know him? The fact that we're here in the house, the fact that we're even tuning in, there's, God is stirring in us. In fact, the Bible says that he draws us to himself. Salvation is his idea, not our idea. And so he draws us. We may think, like, oh, all of a sudden I've been thinking about God lately. Well, you know why? It's because he's drawing you to himself. Romans 1, Psalm 19, John 1, Hebrews 1, all talk about the fact that God is drawing us to himself. You ever talk to somebody and they, you kind of share a little bit about your story? We actually call this evangelism, when you actually go share Jesus with somebody. I'm horrible at evangelism, by the way. Um... But you go share some Jesus with somebody, and they're like, ah, you know what, I don't believe in Jesus. You know what my biggest comeback with that is? And it's, I'll say back in the day, yes, I've been accused of being, um, how do I say this politically correct? Um, a smart aleck, that's the best way to say it. Okay. I have been accused of that, and I'll just be a self-proclaimed, yes, I am. I am a smart aleck. Um, and so my smart aleck response back then was, when someone says, well, I don't believe in Jesus, my response is, well, he believes in you. And I'll just leave him hanging and I'll walk away. But I really do believe that, and I do now respond sometimes with that, but in a whole different perspective now. But now it's a perspective of compassion, because I know if they don't have Jesus, if they don't surrender their life to Jesus, what does the Bible say their destination is forever? Yes, it's that place that we don't like to talk about. But Jesus talked about it. He warned us about hell. And he said, you don't want to go there. I have come to give you life, Jesus said. And so the opportunity, the heart of God is just, he wants us to have life. It is a gift from him. 
It is a gift. Life is a gift. Abundant life from him is a gift. And I remember when I first was introduced to Jesus, I was full of all kinds of stuff. I was full of anxiety. I was four, about 13, or 13 years old. I was seventh grade. And even as a seventh grader, I was full. I mean, I could not be full anymore of anxiety. We didn't call it anxiety back then. I don't even know what we called it back then. Maybe stress. I don't know. I was a kid. I don't know what we called it. I just know I felt it. Uptight. I was uptight. Okay, there you go. There you go. Put that in a story, Dana Buck. Okay? <laughs> Challenge accepted. Ah, uh, I was uptight. I was, uh, I was a worrier. Thanks, Mom. Love you, Mom. But I was a worrier, big time. And I, was, I lived uh, fearful. And I just remember someone introducing me to uh, Psalm 139. I want you to turn there right now. Next time we buy Bibles, we're going to buy Bibles with smaller print. So there'll be, uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be just one Bible and uh, one page. I was introduced to this, this psalm. Remember, I was a kid full of anxiety and worry and um, fear. I struggled with my identity because I didn't know why I was, why I was even here. You know, back, you, have you ever asked that question? Like, why am I here? Why are we here? What, what is this all about? That's where I was at at the time. And I just remember the Lord really using this, this passage to change me. Verse 1 says, You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, and you discern my going and going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways, and before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to, to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And if I say, surely the, the darkness will hide me and the light become dark all around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, and the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. And then David just gets so caught up in the moment. <laughs> Some, so, someone just said, hey, let's skip this part. But we're going to read it. 
If only, God, you would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Whose ever phone that was, that's perfect. The bell was perfect. Because here's the thing, I think David gets so caught up in the moment and then he has the bell go off and he picks up in verse 23. Just imagine David sighing after that little rage moment. And then verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, for me, God used these, this passage just to, to really show me who he was and to remind me that he is with me and that he knows me and that he created me. And just a few highlights. I mean, there's so many, you know, that he sees us when we, I mean, just the everyday stuff. He sees us when we're sitting around. He sees us when we're lying down. He knows what we're thinking. He, I mean, capture that. He knows what you're thinking, and yet the Bible says he still loves us. He still pursues us. He still comes after us, even though he knows what's going on up here. That is a loving, amazing God. Verse 5, one of my all-time favorite verses in the Bible, you hem me in. That is really good. I remember when my son was little. He's not little anymore. For those of you who know my son Josh, um, and bed night, yes, I would sing over him a little bit, but it was always, Dad, tuck me in tight. And for us was lay on your back, hands to the side, and you basically make a human burrito out of them. And you, like, the blanket all the way up underneath, all the way down from, from head, from neck, all the way down around shoulders, around arms, around legs, around ankles, around feet. And like a little mummy, just like laying in bed. And he just thought that was the funniest thing every, every night. Dad, tuck me in tight. God, you, you tuck me in tight. You are with me. The, the Good News translation says, you are all around me on every side. Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible says, God, your reassuring presence is all around us. Man, if you are just not sure today, God hems you in. His reassuring presence is all around you. There should be a comfort in that for us today, that God literally like forms blankets around us and tucks us in tight. Verse 13 says that I am made by him. And not only am I made by him, I am wonderfully made. I think some of us, we struggle with who we are and, you know, what we're supposed to be doing. Identity is a crisis right now in the United States. We'll talk about it more um, in this the new year, but we need to know who we are. We are wonderfully made by Him. We might not understand that, but it starts with reading it. It starts by believing it. And then it 
continues by as we live it. God, I am wonderfully made. I am in awe of how you do what you do, David says. My days are ordained for me. They are established. They are fashioned. They are appointed for me before even one of them comes to be. That's reassurance that God knows exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. And so I don't have to worry about those things. How many of us worry about our tomorrows or our tomorrow's tomorrow or our tomorrow's tomorrow tomorrow? Yeah, we think about those things. We worry about those things. But God does not change. He is there with us already. Where can I go from your spirit? David says, where can I flee from your presence? That like we'd ever want to do that. But there's sometimes we're like, God, I just need a break. I just need some time out. We're gonna put, I want to put myself on time out. Well, even in our time out moments, God is there. We can't go anywhere from him because he is already there. You know, I hesitated on reading the moment where David kind of goes off on kind of the shadow speak, I'll call it. The, the shade speak. When David kind of goes off in, those, in that moment and, and, and says, God, I just hate all those people that hate you. I, you know, and we can get easily caught up in that like today. And the church has. But then David stops himself and says, God, but would you search me and would you know me? And like for me, I was reading that again this week. And, and, and there's been times where I've, I've been caught up in those moments as well. And, um, and then I asked God to do the same. God, would you search me and would you know me? And God, I want to have my heart for people like you have a heart for people. And so I'm not asking him to slay the wicked. You know, what I'm asking him is to save the wicked. God, would you change their hearts? Would they see the error of their ways? Would they turn around? And what that word is, is called repentance. We don't like to talk about repentance in the church anymore. Repentance is not a seeker-sensitive subject. But but repentance is, simply means a turn in direction, to turn around from where we're going and turn back the other direction. And so when we say, God, would you help those who are doing just wicked things, would you help them turn around? Turn around from what they're doing and head back towards you, Jesus. That should be our prayer. Not that he would slay the wicked, but that he would save the wicked. I mean, if we really had a true glimpse of what hell is going to be, Eternity without God. I don't believe any of us would want anybody else to go there. But we'd have the heart like Paul said, God, if it's going to take, send me and so my people can be saved. That's what Paul prayed. I'm glad Paul prayed that. I don't have to pray that. I want to go to heaven. But I also want you to go there too. I want my neighbors to go there too. I want our community to go there too. How are they going to go there? We have to tell them. Yes, we have to live it in front of them, but then there's a point where they, when they ask, we need to be ready to say, my life is different because of Jesus. Can you stand with me this morning? Following Jesus will take surrender. It will take repentance, but I, I believe that we already know that. Let's pray this morning.
God, my prayer this morning for us in this room, for those of us that couldn't make it today and those who are watching from home. God, I pray that Christmas 2022 would be uh, new beginnings. God, we pray for new beginnings. God, we pray for a new togetherness. That you would put it in our hearts to, to long to be together with you and with one another. God, I pray for joy. I pray for peace. God, I pray that every single one of us would know that you call us. But God, that you see us. You, you saw us, as David said, you saw us as we were being created in our mother's womb. But Lord, you also see us now. Lord, we are a week away from celebrating what I believe is the, besides you creating the heavens and the earth, when you left heaven to come down to earth. Well, I pray that this year would be different. I do pray for joy and peace. True joy, true peace. The depths of who you are, we would we'd begin to grasp those things. And we'd find ourselves at rest. We would know that you hem us in, behind and before. That we would know that we don't have to worry about tomorrow because you are already there. Jesus, you said you are the light of the world, and you turned around and told us that we are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So, Lord, as we live our lives for you, as we shine bright for you, God, when our neighbors, friends, family, coworkers, strangers ask us about this hope that we have, Lord, we'd be able to simply say, it's Jesus. And we give you praise in your name. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas to you. Hope to see you 5 o'clock next Saturday. Dana's got a story, and I heard, um, I heard there's going to be some readers up on the stage. It's going to be fantastic. Don't forget to grab a piece of cake uh, and say uh, greetings and salutations to the Moonches, okay? <laughs>